Hey guys, this is Sharad with Resimply. Super excited to bring you another fantastic guest on Resimply podcast. Today we have Jeremy Resmer joining us from Nashville, but he's investing, he's doing real estate business in South Carolina. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for being on the podcast. Really appreciate that. Yeah, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. You live in Nashville, investing in South Carolina, but tell us, uh, you know, how did you get started and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm in Nashville. Um, I actually got started. I listened to a Bigger Pockets podcast and I heard Tom Kroll from okay. Wholesaling Inc. Yeah. And um, at the time I wasn't investing, but I was looking at trying to figure out what I wanted to do, wh- what type of investing I wanted to get involved in. And so I was at a point where I had some life changes going on and I really needed to, to kind of pivot and it felt like a good time. And I heard him ringing the bell and all of his energy. And so I checked him out and I was like, man, this is a guy that, you know, I want what he has. So I quickly talked with my wife. And, you know, told her what I wanted to do and felt like this was a good decision. And uh, within 24 hours, um, you know, I bought his course and just was committed to taking massive action. So um, that's That's how it all got started. That was back in 2016 in June. Okay. Well, so it's been about like seven years since you kind of thought about doing what what has that looked like over the last, you know, six or seven years since you decided you wanted to do investing? A lot of people buy a course. Like what were the next steps for you? Yeah. So, you know, kind of a crazy story because I got two contracts really quickly and I thought, oh man, I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to be rich. (laughs) Right. What happened was I made the commitment that I needed to, you know, for my, for my personal health and for my marriage, my wife and I were really going through some hard times. I needed to make a change. So I literally burned the ships. I left my job and, you know, had a little bit of income or a little bit of savings. um, But my wife, you know, got behind me. And so I dumped it all into this, you know, new venture and had two deals under contract, had buyers, both of them were $30,000 assignment fees. And I was just so excited. And uh, lo and behold, uh, title comes back and there were so many problems with both of these files. Neither of them could be closed. In fact, both of the owners ended up losing the property because um, there was nothing that could that could actually be done. And so I'm jumping in, I'm all excited. I don't know how this is supposed to go. Right. And so, you know, all I was doing was direct mail at the time and I'm hearing people start talking about, well, you got to get a website and pay-per-click and SEO. And so I just jumped all in and uh, signed a 12 month contract for $2,300 SEO thinking, you know, I'm, I'm looking long-term, I'm going to make this work. This is going to be great. And then both of those deals, I couldn't get closed. And uh, as you know, SEO is not a short-term proposition. It takes right. time. And so I had a you know brand new site and you know those guys were going to work, but I didn't really know the difference at the time between SEO and PPC. And so um, you know that scared the heck out of me. Now I've just committed myself to this uh, big expenditure every month. And so, um, you know, basically at that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And the only thing I could think of was I just got to keep going. And so I actually found my first deal on Craigslist, believe it or not. And the seller told me, hey, I had five or six people that couldn't get this deal done. Is there a way we can make it work? And so it was, it was wild. I made every mistake in the book. I didn't assign it. I had to end up buying it. I bought it in a historic, it was a historical prop property. So that brought all these other challenges. And so long story short, I made $14,000 after a very minor, you know, probably $3,000 light renovation just to fix a few things up. 
but I was hooked. I'm like, man, if I can make every mistake in the book and still make money, I'm going to keep going. So that was a flip then or wholesale deal, you know, what you would call it? Yeah. So, so at the time when I put under contract, I thought, oh, this is a, this is going to be an assignment, but I ended up uh, having to close on it, used hard money, signed my life away right away, had no idea what I was doing. And then, you know, got a contractor to come in and we just fixed some of the basics. Um, our plan was actually to do a, a bigger flip. And I okay. had a realtor who calls me up and says, uh, just so you know, this is a historical property. Were you aware of that? I'm like, no, I didn't know. What does that mean? And wow. she kind of gave me a little bit of education, but then she said, okay, you need to call the historical society. It was right in downtown Nashville, right, right next to one of the stadiums, literally a quarter mile away. And so they're like, yeah, well, you know, you have to use these paint colors. You can't change the footprint. And I'm like, oh shoot, well, that screws up my plan. Right. And so at that point I'm like, all right, I'm already in this thing. So let's just salvage it, figure out what we can do. And, you know, we had to make, you know, just some really minor uh, fixes. And again, everything went wrong. We had a realtor that came in with a buyer and then, uh, you know, everything kind of fell apart at the last minute. And then eventually we had to reduce our price. But again, I made $14,000 and I'm like, shoot, if, if, is- if this works, like I just need to figure out how to get better at it. So. That is amazing. Even after making all the mistakes, buying a property in a historical district and not even knowing kind of all the things that you have to go through to renovate, still made 14000 Congratulations on that, man. That's fantastic. So what, what happened after that? You made 14000 and you have this contract paying 2300 a month for SEO, correct? Yep. The, for yep. 12-month contract. So what happens after that? So I didn't end up generating really many leads, uh, probably month eight, I started to see a couple of leads. I never had a deal off of it. Basically what, what I did is I just kind of doubled down on direct mail. I said, Hey, well, you know, this other thing over here, if I'm going to be in this long term, you know, this will be good to kind of build my brand and my online presence. But again, I didn't really realize, I wish I knew at the time that PPC would have been a better option, right? Because I was limited right. in funds that would have generated leads quickly, but you know, you live and you learn. So I just really doubled down on direct mail. And to be honest with you, I was pretty terrible at wholesaling properties starting out. I just didn't really negotiate well. I didn't really have my cost dialed in. And so I was, I was overpaying for properties. And so I started flipping instead of wholesaling, which is not how I plan to, to get started. So it probably took me about two years before I actually really made any money and started to figure out, oh, shoot, I actually have to get my cost dialed in. Uh, managed several of these flips, started to actually learn what the real costs were and where I needed to be. And then once, call it, I don't know, two years around that time frame, I started to, um, I've added uh, pay-per-click and started to see, okay, these are more motivated leads, started to get some SEO leads. I actually ended up hiring another company. So I had three channels going and the SEO and the PPC leads, when those came in, I was just at a little bit more, I don't know, I guess I was more experienced at the time. So I was able to kind of dial in that wholesaling process. I kept seeing everybody else doing it and figuring it out. And so I realized, hey, I just needed to offer less. And so mm-hmm. I started to wholesale a few properties or make 10,000 here, 20,000 there. And then I, then I by accident fell into a couple of land deals. And I'm like, man, can I make some money off of this? And so um, I actually started to get into land investing and found one of my best deals ever was uh, a five acre parcel of property that had two mobile homes on it. The owner had to evict 19 people who moved into it and literally destroyed oh. the whole thing. So I get in there, I buy it, I think for like $25,000. 
And I ended up making about $60,000. Didn't do anything. I was going to move the mobile homes, was going to go ahead and and put a new one on there. I talked to an agent. The agent says, nope, this is a great piece of property. It's five acres. Um, You had two homes here. Um, I'll get this thing sold in 30 days or less. And sure enough, she did. So then I started to get a little bit into um, buying land. And so I was buying cheap pieces of land for five, 10, 15,000, basically tripling my money. And so then I, it was kind of weird because it happened at the same time, right? I was getting really sick of flipping, but I was getting better at it. And then all of a sudden I was getting better at wholesaling, understanding the cost, knowing where I need to come in, building a buyer's list. And then also I started dabbling in land. And so my business took a little bit of a different path, but I actually started making money because I got a little bit more proficient in each of those. So it got really exciting for me because I'm like, holy crap, now I know this works. Now I'm getting better at what I'm doing but I just had a lot going on and I felt overwhelmed and I had young kids. And so I'm like, okay, there's gotta be a better way. Now that I can make a little bit of money, how right. can I actually build a team and, and, and start to generate a little bit of a life for myself? Got it. So what are you doing now in like so 2024? Like what, what did you do? How many deals did you do last year? If you don't mind sharing and what were they, what kind of deals were they? Yeah. So, um, 2023, we did 93 deals. Uh, my goal for the year was 100. Actually, I was hoping let's hit 100, but my my big goal was 110. Well, we came a little bit short. We did um, over 2 million in total revenue between um, you know our assignments and flips, um, which was great, which is our biggest year ever. I'm doing a little bit in the Nashville area, a little bit of uh, wholesaling. And then in South Carolina, I do uh, some buy and holds, some flipping, and primarily wholesaling. And then, believe it or not, a couple of years ago, um, I got involved in buying apartment buildings. And so, okay. you know, my business has kind of gone a few different directions, but we've had a, an eight unit, a 19 unit, a 30 unit. And so, um, you know, we like to pick some of those up as well. You know, we kind of, it's kind of diverse, but right now our bread and butter is still the wholesaling. That's been really, really effective for us. Like single family or residential one to four units. Yep. Yeah, what's, that's our bread and butter. What marketing channels do you have? You've been uh, so when you started, like a couple of years after you kind of started, you were doing direct mail, SEO, PPC. What does that look like now? Yeah, so so we actually made a switch in 2020. I needed to kind of figure out how I can get out of my own way because I was managing flips, going on appointments, dealing with the the CRM, getting the marketing. I was doing all of it, and I got to a point where I was just I was heading for for burnout. And I started to do a little bit of research and kept seeing people that were building teams and growing their business and starting to get a little bit of their time back. And so for me, um, had three kids at the time, three young kids, and, you know, I was leaving before they were waking up. And then, you know, by the time I'd get home, I maybe had an hour with them, put them to bed, I work and, you know, repeat that cycle. So I was really intent on figuring out how I can do this in such a way where I could get a little bit of my time back. And so I decided that, you know, my parents retired to South Carolina. And so I did some research there and I thought, you know what, it, it looks like a fragmented market. I think I might be able to be successful. I've been going down to South Carolina since I was a kid. I knew a little bit about it, knew some of the areas and just felt like I could be successful. Plus it would give me an excuse to go visit my parents. So basically I had another wholesaler who I reached out to and said, Hey man, um, you know, I'm looking for properties. I'm looking for rentals. I'm just trying to get into this market. And so I bought a house basically sight unseen and got introduced to a contractor who um, did the work on that first rental property, bird it, had a lot of success on that first one, and realized, hey, this contractor is 
he would make a, a, I think a great acquisitions guy. And so, you know, over the course of um, a couple of months um, was able to bring him on to do acquisitions, train him in that. He already knew the numbers, right. Cause his construction background was, you know, was really conducive to, to this business. And then today he's now my partner. So when we started in 2020, we just said, Hey, let's do one channel. I was really focused on trying to train him, right. Um, get the sales process down, try to build the systems or, or introduce him to the systems and how, you know, we can buy properties and, and dispel those properties. And so we really were pretty slow in adding marketing channels. And so back then the, the first channel we actually did was um, I created a website. So I said, Hey, let's just do some really, really simple SEO um, and just kind of get that going, knowing that again, it was a long-term proposition, but I wasn't going to make the same mistake I made last time. I had a company who had done some work for me in Nashville and said, Hey, we'll give you a wholesale rate. We want to prove to you that we can take your website from zero to generating leads. So I said, okay, let's do that. So I was able to do that for 600 bucks a month. And actually within three months, they started generating some SEO leads. Then we were able to um, you know, do a little bit of cold calling, tried that out for about 90 days. It just wasn't as effective as, as I hoped it would be. And so we made a little bit of pivot to, uh, direct mail, and then PPC. So at call it day 90 to 180, the first, I don't know, three to six months, we were able to, you know, add three marketing channels. Direct mail was generating a lot of calls, a lot of appointments. And so once we got the processes down and we realized, hey, we can, we can get these properties in our contract where we need to, then we started ramping up the marketing. So um, from there, we just kept adding. My, my, my goal was to create an, uh, an inbound uh, lead ecosystem. So I wanted to make my acquisition guy the main face in that market. So if you think of selling your house fast in in Myrtle Beach, you're you're calling Myrtle Beach home buyers. So um, you know we kept adding one after the next, and basically where we're at today is we do SEO, direct mail, uh, PPC, Facebook, radio, TV, and then we've recently about mm, call it 18, 19 months ago we um, started dabbling with connected TV and, and have just really grown our business, grown our brand. And um, those have been really, really effective for us. So what's connected TV, like TV ads? We started doing TV ads and that was really good for us. Um, so the first year we were at, we did, I think, 25 deals. And then in year two, we were at uh, 48. So then in year three, we added, um, I'm sorry, in year two, we added TV and that helped our growth. In year three, so that was 2022, um, I had a friend that called me up and said, hey, man, um, I've got this project that I'm working on. You might be interested. And so he told me about what connected TV was. You know, I really wasn't sure. Um, I'd never heard of it. And he said, hey, man, we're delivering TV ads to people that are streaming. And, and so I started asking him some questions. Oh. And I'm like, well, can you target these people? Can you, can you deliver ads to specific lists, right? And so he said, hey, let me show you what this is, what this is capable of. And so I started um, talking with him and his partner and I said, hey, this could be really, really effective in the house business. I said, man, there's a lot of investors who are always pulling lists. They're skip tracing, they're cold calling, they're doing all these things. If you're telling me, because I had already done TV, right? TV was effective for me. You could only get so targeted with TV. But with connected TV, what we found was, we could actually actually target 
specific lists of people, right? So if someone's in pre-foreclosure, we could actually say, uh, deliver an ad to these 50 people who are in pre-foreclosure and deliver that ad across all these different streaming devices, right? The, the glass TV, which is in your living room, and then also on your mobile devices. And so now we were, tr- we were following them basically everywhere. Once they identified that device, got their IP address, now we're delivering TV ads to them across different devices. And so we could actually say, hey, a pre-foreclosure lead is much more valuable than let's say a high equity lead, right? So we created different ad, uh, ad groups to now focus and we could say, hey, hit these people 30 times in a week. So that we're fi- we, we found another way into their living room because these people might be ready to lose their house or they might be in the process of losing their house, but they're still on Facebook. They're still watching TV. They're still looking at Hulu and all these other, you know, streaming platforms. And so if we have access to them, now it's another way for them to see who we are and how we can help them. So that was a huge game changer for our business because we went from 48 deals to 86. The only thing we did, the only thing we changed for a whole year was we added connected TV and that helped our conversions across all the different marketing channels. So that has been really a game changer for our business. And, you know, it's been really effective for us. That's amazing, man. Congratulations on all the success. When you look back at all the marketing channels that you're doing, which one is generating the most deals for you? Is it the connected TV that's getting you the most deals or is it direct mail, SEO, PPC? Direct mail is still performing really, really well for us. Direct mail in 2022 and 2023 uh, generated the most number of deals. Um, The highest margin deals actually are coming from SEO. So our SEO is pretty dialed in. You know, we're almost at 40,000 a rip on assignment fees for uh, SEO. So we really love those. Those have (laughs) been really great. Um, Inherited and probate leads have been outstanding for us. And then uh, TV still strong for us, still generates a lot of leads. Um, connected TV is great because what we're using that for is, you know, if someone comes to our, our website and, you know, let's say it's an SEO lead or let's say it's a radio lead, they come to the site. But once they come to the site, we have a tracking pixel. So now we're following them around and we're delivering 30 second ads when they're streaming, right? So they all work together. You know, where we've changed over the last couple of years is, Early on, when we only had a couple of marketing channels, it was a lot easier to track where people came from, right? Because they called a specific number or, you know, direct mail. We didn't even put our website on. They called that number. So we knew exactly where they were coming from. But when you're running radio, TV, connected TV, all of these things, all of those platform or all of those channels drive search, right? So people come to your website. Well, is it SEO or Uh, Is it coming from Facebook? Is it coming from radio, TV, connected TV? And so we really had to just ask the question, you know, how did you find us? And the interesting thing was people were like, well, I hear your radio uh, ads. And I thought, man, I should really call you. And then I saw you on TV. And then, man, I was watching, I was looking at a YouTube uh, video. And then I saw you guys come up that way too. And so I just finally decided to, to, to give you a call. So the question I always ask is, what lead is that, right? Is that an SEO lead? Is that a TV lead, a radio lead? And so for, for me and our company, we stopped focusing specifically on getting perfect attribution of where the lead's coming from. And now we have, um, you know, we're focusing on return on total ad spend. So that's really important for us. But how do you attribute that? Let's say if someone saw your 
uh, streaming ad on YouTube, right? Then they hear you on radio, but then they actually go and research you guys on Google and then they become a lead. But you you know that they actually first heard about you through the streaming app. How do you attribute that lead? So that's really tricky because it's hard for us to really know if first came through any of those channels, right? right? So what we typically do is wherever they come from, um, in our system. So if they fill out a form on our website, then we just categorize that as SEO. However, if we, you know, have a conversation with them and they say, Hey, how did you hear about us? Oh, I heard you on the radio. Then we make that adjustment and that's how we attribute it. But it's so hard. It's so hard. And, you know, some people would say, Hey man, you know, what I'm about to say is, um, you know, they wouldn't agree with, but I look at it and say, I don't necessarily care how you heard about me. I know that all of the channels that we're running are working together. And so SEO is working in tandem with my CTV, right? Because now we're retargeting them and they're seeing (laughs) the ad. And then once they see the ad, maybe they don't call the CTV phone number. Maybe now they go online and search. Now they click on our our PPC ad, right? The branded one, they get confused. This happens all the time. They're like, Oh, are you, um, Oh, we, 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 we just, um, you know, we're interested in selling our house and we have to really delve. And sometimes we don't even find out until later on, or we don't find out at all exactly where they come from. So, um, what I would say is that, um, they're all working together. And if we know what our, uh, return on ad spend is, and those numbers are where they should be for us, we want to be somewhere between six and nine. Um, If we're there, then we're healthy. If we're less than that, then we're starting to really dive in. Hey, what's going on? Um, Is something not running? Is something not running correctly? And then we start diving in. But, you know, typically if we're over six, we're healthy. But is that on average across all your marketing channels or each individual should be at six to nine? That's all channels. Okay. Yeah, because you could have hundreds of people, thousands of people watch your connected TV ads, but then they all come from your website. So that doesn't mean the connected TV ads is not working. It just, you're looking at that in total because you cannot specifically attribute that lead to connected TV. But if you were not doing connected TV, they would never find out about you to begin. Correct. Correct. But the one, the one thing to that is um, on our connected TV reporting, (laughs) um, we actually can see how many people filled out forms. So now we can actually start attributing um, how many of those came. So we can actually go, we can backfill and we can do some research uh, each month to go see, hey, this deal came from uh, SEO or it says it came from SEO. They filled out a form. Now we go and, and we look at it on the back end to see, hey, you know, where did they really come from? And now we start looking into our ad groups, right? Is our retargeting ad group working well? Is our foreclosure ad group? Because they're all built a little bit differently based on the level of intent, right? So if we get a, a PPC lead, that person's getting retargeted, right? Because the pixel goes into that landing page and now we're retargeting them. Um, If we get a PPL lead, right? We've got some really good PPL services out there and those leads come in and we're now saying, okay, let's go and identify this person and let's put them, uh, let's retarget them. So we're we're basically anyone that comes into our funnel we're saying, okay, let's go retarget everybody. And so if somebody comes from PPL, we actually can put them into, um, we can upload that list and we put them into a 
um, an ad group that has higher frequency, we, we, we are able to say, hey, we're willing to spend more money on these individuals or these records because they've already shown intent, right? They've already maybe gone to our website or they've already um, come through this other lead channel. So it's really fascinating, but we're constantly tweaking to see um, you know, how to build this out, how to identify those individuals who are the most motivated and then follow them everywhere they go. So that's really how we build that out so that our online and online are working together. So if someone comes through PPL, you have their name, phone number, email, correct? How do you retarget them online? So we are able to upload into our system. And by uploading okay. them, basically we've got a 70 to 85% or so uh, match rate. And so again, if you just if you just try to match the mail address, you know, you're going to be a little bit less, but if you already have skip traced, you have the phone number and email. Now the match rate is going to be higher. So the way our system works is once we're actually able to get the IP address for the TV in the house, like, like I said, the glass TV on the wall, now we're able to identify all the other IP addresses in the house on mobile devices, iPads, phones and all of that. And so we can follow people around wherever they're going. And so, um, you know, that's how we're building out, you know, that's how we're building out our different campaigns. We're prioritizing certain records that we feel are more, you know, have a higher level of motivation. So that's how we, that's how we're able to match them. That's crazy, man. It's incredible. Everything that you can do with technology, you know, just from IP address and stuff like this is definitely more advanced um, level stuff, but someone who's just starting out, you know, let's say if you were to go back to seven years ago, when you first started, right. Looking, knowing everything that you know now, what would you tell you know, Jeremy from seven years old, uh, seven years ago as a new investor, what should they do? I think lead gen is a, is a huge, I look at our business now and I, I say, if you have no leads, you have no business, right? Cause if you can't generate leads, especially motivated leads, then you right. can't go on appointments or have those phone calls and make the offers. So it starts with lead gen. So that's a huge piece. And then the lesson I learned was I started spending more money, but I didn't have systems. And so not having a proper CRM, I wasn't able to follow up the right way. And then even when I did get my first CRM, I didn't realize the power of automated follow-up. That was a game changer for our business because once we implemented a specific follow-up sequence for every lead type, essentially nobody got left behind because right. no, matter, no matter how good I thought I was, because at the time I was on the phones and I was following up and I wasn't good. But I thought I was, right? We all think we're better than we are. And so I'm like, oh, I've got this covered. Well, I didn't have it covered. And then our acquisition manager was missing things left and right, not following up with people. Oh, shoot, I'll get around to it. He was doing all these other things, bopping around, didn't have time to get on his phone. So once we added the automated follow-up, that's where our business went from 25 deals to 48 in year two. And that was a huge piece because I don't think we really spent a significantly more, we didn't, we didn't spend significantly more that year, but what we did is we honed in that automated piece where people were now getting followed up with a text message. Um, they were getting the, the RVMs and all of a sudden the people are calling back in, Hey, yeah, something changed. Well, we weren't reaching right. them, but now 
we didn't have to actually get on the horn and, and make those dials. Right. They were coming back to us and now re-engaging and we're like, oh shoot, yeah, I remember this house. Yeah, we got all the notes here in their system. Where are you at now? And all of a sudden, hey, they're ready to, to move on something where before they want to retail. Now they're like, hey, we tried to, to list it with an agent. It didn't move. Now we're, we're ready to listen to what you guys have to say. And that happened time and time again. And so 80% of our deals, even to this day, come from follow-up. So I would say you got to spend money on the marketing and figure out what works for you. Take one channel, figure it out. And then when you're ready, move on to the next channel. Invest as quickly as you can become profitable to get to the next channel. And then you got to invest in your CRM. You got to invest in, in systems and processes because, you know, like it or not, people say fortunes in the follow-up, but most people still don't follow up. And if they do, it's sporadic. And so your system, your CRM is your best friend. It really, it, it, it is. And really makes a huge 100%. difference. 100% agree. I mean, it's it's an overused cliche that money is in the follow, but it is so, so true. I mean, people leave so much money on the table, just not by following up. Their goal is, their hope is that the first person that calls them from their direct mail is just ready to sell. That's that that's going to happen sometimes where you get a call from a seller. You just, you just happen to reach them at the right time you know, they were in whatever situation they were going through. And then this is the perfect property for you. But majority, 99% of your deals are going to come from, you know, automated follow-up or some sort of a follow-up. Yeah. But for a, for a newbie investor that's starting out, if you had to advise them on one marketing channel, which one would you say you, you know, you've used multiple, or you're using multiple marketing channels. If you had to pick one, which one would you pick for someone starting out? I would go direct mail all day, every day. Absolutely. And any particular list that they should go after? You could just pick one list. I love the uh, probate, pre-probate inherited. That's my favorite list or group. I mean, they're similar, right? Because pre-probate becomes probate or some of them, right? Some of them drop off and then some of them drop off. And those ones that are inherited are kind of left. We have success with all three. And then... Man, pre-foreclosures are phenomenal because that's the one list where people have to sell. They have to make a decision, right? They're either going to, they have to make a decision. And so I think um, you have to be willing to deal with complete chaos. Like people calling you at two in the morning, they may not respond for months and months. They may be willing to wait until like the last week. But if you're set up in such a way where you can deal with the chaos there's a lot, a lot of money. I know guys that their whole business model is predicated on pre-foreclosures and they're really, really good at it. And their marketing spend is really, really low. Um, and so, you know, we've had success not focusing on it, but we're starting to focus more and more because we've just seen so many deals that we're closing yeah. because of, you know, it's just a great list. Yeah. The more motivation that they have, a seller has, the the more money you know the more opportunity you have to make money and so jeremy what's your what's your plan for 20 we're at the beginning of the year what's your goal for 2024 like you did 93 deals last year which is fantastic roughly you know eight deals per month what's your goal for this year in terms of how many deals and revenue number so so last year i just had something inside of me that wanted to hit 100 deals i didn't even care so much as what the revenue looks like i know that's kind of out of whack because it's not how many deals you do, it's how much you keep, right? But this year, I want to do somewhere between 90 and 110 deals. I'm not as stuck on the number of deals, but 
we did a lot of tweaks last year as far as marketing, testing out new postcards, spending a lot more on things. And so we found out in 2023 uh, a lot of information about what we feel like works well for us and doesn't. And so I know we overspent last year and I'm okay with that because, you know, sometimes, I mean, if you're not testing, there's no way for you to figure out what works. And I know there's other people who have had success and you can follow them and that's great. But at the end of the day, your market is going to be a little bit different than everybody else's. And so um, we're constantly testing things. And so this year, um, you know, I'd like to do um, over 3 million, but um, I'm also adding uh, land acquisition as well. So we used to do land uh, a few years back and then we started to bring on a team this past year to kind of get the systems in place and, and really um, be ready for 2024. And so now that I want to be a huge part of our business. So I'd like to do 500 to a million. I know it's pretty broad, but we're buying rural vacant land. We're doing it nationwide and we have a pretty good uh, system right now. And so, um, you know, I'm really, really excited about that, what that's going to mean for our business. And then we're also starting to dive into uh, mobile home parks. So again, not to, not to get caught up in, in shiny object syndrome, we're, we're not really doing that. We're trying to figure out, okay, we've got our uh, single family business really dialed in. So let's maintain that, maybe grow it a little bit, but let's figure out how to spend a little bit less on the marketing and generate more revenue per deal. So that's number one. Number two is add the land piece. And then number three is, um, you know, how do we get that, that long-term cash flow? And so we, we really have a couple of opportunities in some of our smaller outlying markets where mobile home parks in South Carolina um, are a great opportunity. So we're, you know, we're making offers on those, um, you know, quite regularly. So I'm really excited about those two things. That's amazing, man. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. So essentially, more or less doing the same number of deals as or within the same range as last year, but increasing your average profit per deal by about 40-50% to get to that number. Yeah. I think it's like quality over quantity. I think it makes total I think sometimes people get too wrapped up into like the top line or just the vanity number of oh, I want to do like 100 deals, 200 deals, 300 deals, but then they lose the profitability part of it. So it's great to see you be focused on the profitability over just like doing number of certain number of views just for the sake of it and not even worrying about the profitability. It's fantastic, man. Yeah, good luck with that. Cool, man. I want to move on to the, the next uh, segment of uh, our podcast. Uh, so, Jeremy, what do you do for fun? You said you have three kids, right? I have four kids now. Four now. Um, How old are they? The oldest or the youngest one? They are 10, 10, and 12, 12. So, um, we've adopted three. Um, and so it's been, it's been a pretty wild ride, but, um, I I love hanging out with the kids and the family. Um, we love a good board game. Uh, we like to do that a lot for fun. My kids are all involved in sports. So I feel like we're running all over the place for basketball and soccer and dance and all that. But, um, me personally, I love exercising, you know, work out a lot, love to read. Um, I'm a learner, so I watch a lot of podcasts. I'm I'm always trying to figure out, hey, what's that edge, you know, in the house business or in the marketing? How do I get that edge over my competition? So I'm always paying attention to what, you know, what other people are doing. And um, I just love talking shop. I love real estate, any type of real estate. So 
That's great. You said you love reading. Which book has had the biggest uh, influence in your life? It could be a business book, it could be a personal book, or it could be one of each. Man, in 2023, uh, I was going through a really tough time. Um, started dealing with some anxiety. Started started just dealing with some things in my life that I've never experienced uh, before. Um, had some real um, struggles with my health, and so, man. <sighs> At a recommendation of a friend, they said, hey, you got to read 10X is easier than 2X. And so um, I read Dan, that. Dan Sullivan? I yeah, Dan Sullivan. I love Dan Sullivan. Um, strategic coach, man, such a great organization, helps so many entrepreneurs. But yeah, read that. And literally, it was like a light bulb. Um, I started realizing, you know, there's some things we do in the single family business, um, even in our, on our team. And it's like, man, we're, we're kind of overlapping or we're doing duplicative work. Like how do we empower our team? How do we have the people doing the right things and not overlapping and, you know, really releasing some of our team members, um, you know, to do bigger and better things. And so um, that was huge. That was a game changer for me. And that was actually in my kind of my health journey. I was dealing with all sorts of health things. I ended up losing about 50 pounds um, oh, wow. and really started to focus on, Hey, how do I get healthy? Like I've got more time freedom. We've got the money freedom. The business is, is, is going really well, but I was struggling with life, man. And the anxiety and these other issues, I'm like, I, I don't even know where it came from, but I realized, man, I need to take care of my soul. I need to take care of my body, start, you know, giving it the right fuel. So that was really a big priority starting in May. I came to this epiphany. And so I read that book. And the first day I read that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all in. And so that was great for my business. It was great because I made little changes in my life. Uh, a lesson I learned is success loves speed, right? I've heard some gurus say this before, but I realized that that's an uh, important thing for me. I need to keep moving. I need to keep moving fast. And then another one that was huge for me was movement begets more movement. So I gained all this weight because I stopped moving around. And I was struggling right. with my energy and um, I couldn't even stay up past 7.30 at night. This is going to sound crazy, but I couldn't stay awake. And my wife's like, hey, are you going to be present with the family? And so I started to just go for walks. And then I was like, I was meditating and I was praying and I was trying to do the things to, um, you know, calm my soul, um, get my body moving, um, lose some weight. And, um, you know, ultimately these things all kind of intersected and I started doing these things at the same time. And I lost at one point. Um, I'm trying to look at my number here. Cause I, I track my weight every day now. I'm like very serious about doing this. I lost 36 pounds in 54 days. Oh, wow. That's that changed serious. everything for me. I wow. stopped, stopped drinking alcohol. I started doing intermittent fasting. Um, and you know, everything has really changed since then. And so I'm trying to maintain it, right? Because you go through the ups and downs, but absolutely. all that to say, the answer to, to your question is 10X is easier than 2X. That was a game changer for me. Incredible, man. Isn't it amazing? We make, like for you, it was just such a simple decision of reading that one book, how it just completely changed your life. That's, that's incredible, man. Like fantastic, fantastic story. Thank you for sharing. All right, I want you to give this question some thought. If you could spend a day with anyone, dead or alive, who would you want to spend the day with and why? Oh, man. Uh, can I use religious figures? Yeah, of course. So for me, for me, it would be, it would be Jesus Christ. Because what's crazy, th th this is crazy, because regardless of what you think of him, he was able to connect people at a level 
that even today you could read something. I mean, you could read the the, the Bible, you could read the, the gospels and you can say whether you like it or hate it, you read that and you say, Hey, this is just pure wisdom. There's something in here. Like this is not advice that you get from somewhere else, right? Forgiving your enemies or your neighbors, people that wrong you praying for people that, um, you know, have, have done things against you praying for your enemies, man, that's just crazy stuff. And so, um, for me personally, he was able to connect people. And yet at the same time, he was able to create this division, right? And so the way he was able to do that, you know, I'd love to be able to just ask some questions or to be a fly on the wall, if he could go right. back in time to, to, to see what really happened. Because there's, there's, there's so many things that happen, but we're only, we're only given a glimmer of what actually Absolutely. happened. We don't get all the details. And so, yeah, to the me, behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So, That's and to crap. impact the world even today. So, yeah, that, that would be my person. Absolutely. Great answer, man. All right, man. Final question. How can someone who's listening to this podcast get in touch with you? You can call me, can text me. I'll give you my number. Uh, feel free. I try to answer within 24 hours. My right. personal cell, 615-670-8153. You can shoot me an email at jeremy at 843cashoffer.com or you can find me on Facebook. One of those three ways will get you in touch. Um, I love cool. talking shop. I love talking about all three things, real estate, or even just, you know, uh, I'd love to hear about your journey wherever you're at. So yeah, I just, Absolutely. I love real estate. I love talking shop. Yeah. We'll put that in the podcast show notes. Um, dude, thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been an incredible, incredible interview. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and everything you've gone through in the last seven years and do all the incredible success you've had. Thank you so much.